Today's podcast is brought to you by the Bioceuticals Integrative Oncology Workshop with Dr. Lee Zalchula. This full-day program will run between the dates of the 20th and 28th of July across Melbourne, Sydney, Gold Coast, Adelaide and Perth. The intensive class will explore key concepts and therapeutic integrative strategies for breast, prostate, colon and lung cancers, as well as how to support toxicities associated with conventional treatment. By the end of the day, you'll be able to confidently implement this important aspect of patient care into your clinical practice. For more information and to register for this critical event, please visit the Bioceuticals website at bioceuticals.com.au. This is FX Radio, and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. With me on the line today is Dr Kylie Dodsworth, who um, hails from Adelaide, where she runs her own busy integrative health centre, and who specialises in nutritional medicine, bioidentical hormone replacement and mind-body medicine. She works within a team of practitioners across a whole range of modalities, but Dr Dodsworth works predominantly with complex health conditions, including thyroid and adrenal dysfunction, menstrual, premenstrual and menopausal imbalances, chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, mood disorders and chronic digestive disorders. In other words, you specialise in everything. She ha- <laughs> Kylie has undertaken extensive training with ACNEM, that's the Australasian College of Nutritional and Environmental Medicine. She's attended practitioner trainings for the Pfeiffer Institute and the Mind Organisation and has completed the Harvard Postgraduate Clinical Training in Mind-Body Medicine with the Benson Henry Institute at Harvard Medical School. Kylie won the RACGP, that's the Royal Australian College of GPs, Registrar of the Year in 2001, and is the inaugural winner of the Bioceuticals Excellence in Practice Integrative Medicine, that's the BEMA Award for Integrative Medicine. She has been an AIMA board member since 2009 and is the current vice president. Welcome, Kylie Dodsworth. Thank you very much. (laughs) Now, Kylie, I think because I just used the uh, acronym there, can you tell me first, what is AIMA? AIMA is an organisation that's 21 years old now and it began really, in essence, to give integrative medicine a bit of a voice as far as being a new modality Um, to the sort of field of integrative medicine and uh, our primary aim is to support practitioners of integrative medicine, particularly doctors, and to advocate on their behalf to help with lobbying government, to help promote information around research and current findings, to provide collegiality, to provide some education. So we sort of, across the board, do what we can to support both our practitioners as well as the cause of integrative medicine. And indeed, the 2015 AIMA conference, and I should point out AIMA is the Australasian Integrative Medicine Association. Uh, So the AIMA conference 2015, it's going to explore numerous vital areas of integrative medicine, not the least of which is the landscape in which integrative GPs and allied health practices practice. Um, Can you take our listeners through the areas which will be covered in the conference? Sure. There is a mix, as you said, and um, our conference theme this year is taking the pulse of integrative medicine. And our idea was to 
explore where integrative medicine is within sort of the Australian landscape for health, um, but also to look at it internationally. So we've got a few international speakers around that as well. Um, so we'll be having some discussions around that. We'll also do some questions and management around some of the sort of medical, legal and ethical issues. Uh, we will be discussing quite a lot of clinical applications of integrative medicine with food as medicine, looking at brain and gut function, uh, looking a little bit at Lyme and chronic infection. Uh, but we're also looking into a lot of the scientific current research as well and some of the innovations in um, integrative medicine that are coming through. And then finally, we're doing a an overview of how individual practitioners can start to contribute case studies and caseload information to generating data for published research so that we can start to have a real bank of, of information and uh, help, again, promote evidence-based medicine in this field. So that's an exciting new development as well. And indeed, I, I think that's the interesting thing because I'm a nurse and uh, when I was a normal registered nurse, I didn't believe in complementary medicine one iota. Uh, sure. and, I, and I said that same catch cry, there's no evidence. Mm-hmm. And yet there's heaps of evidence. So tell me how you dialogue with your colleagues when they say those words. It can be tricky. It depends on which colleague it is yeah. and how yeah. open they are. Um, I, I guess it depends. You know, we try to go into more clinical context if we can around you know what do you, you know what area you're interested in knowing more about, and then um, we can certainly point them in the direction if they're interested in uh, where to find some more information. I quite often use summary textbooks. We've got some excellent published textbooks in integrative medicine which are fully referenced and that of course then covers a whole range of different topics. And uh, yes, I guess in representing our doctors if we do around um, questions from medical board or other practitioners around what's been um, used in their practice uh, then we can certainly provide quite a a good substantial amount of, of clinical evidence as well as um, published research. So, yeah, it's it's tricky because there's a huge amount of information out there. Mm. And I have to say there can be a degree of frustration when I hear that catch cry now. Yeah. And I just that be, it and means that you haven't seen the evidence. It doesn't right. mean the evidence doesn't exist. That's right. And, and mm. indeed, I, look, I, I was one of them. Um, you, you, you could have shoved any piece of paper under my nose and I was just arrogant and ignorant back then. Um, now I'm not so ignorant, but, but, uh, what made you turn the corner? Well, it was a health issue. Um, Ah. and you know, I was using the stuff and quite skeptical, wasn't working and then got proper directions into therapeutic dose. And that's when I Mm -hmm. went, holy cow, this really works. So like I turned the corner in a day and it was just, it was really quite mind boggling to me. And that's when my thing opened up for Mm -hmm. you. But let's talk about you. What about your journey? into integrative medicine. I mean, you're a doctor. Tell me what changed. Well, I guess like yourself, um, traditionally trained, we don't talk at all about nutrition. We don't talk at all about um, the complexities of the mind and the body and how it all interplays. We get taught a bit about pathology and then a lot about medication. Mm. <laughs> and um, But I always had a really strong calling towards that whole mind-body you know, illness in its context kind of thing. Mm. My passion is to understand, you know, why in this person and why now and what's really going on behind it all. So that was always my interest. And um, I guess over time I started to, I began my studies with um, the Swinburne Integrative Medicine Department, which is now closed, but I only got partway through 
there's a flow of integrative medicine there, but that linked me in with another practitioner in Adelaide who'd done nutritional medicine for many years. Mm-hmm. And he became a real mentor for me. And then I just had patients come out of the woodwork and try and find me. And then I began attending conferences. I just kept learning and learning and learning, and we never stopped. Yeah. So, um, I have to say, a light bulb moment happened for me when I went to one weekend conference and just suddenly understood, you know, why these symptoms are happening in these people and why what we were doing wasn't working for them. And it truly was an epiphany. And yeah, I've never looked back and I find the work I do so satisfying and incredibly effective. So it's a win-win for everyone. You know, this is the common thing that I that I hear amongst integrative GPs is the dissatisfaction that they had with standard conventional medicine and the mm-hmm. satisfaction that they've gained helping their patients. So I'm wondering if part of the difference might be personal medication, uh, sorry, forgive me, personal medicine versus population medicine. I think I think every GP does have a personal approach with their patients, but I guess the reality is that we tend to allow more time in our consults and that means that we get to ask some of the other questions. Yeah. And I think that does deepen a relationship between practitioner and patient. Um, but the population health has a really vital role as well. That you know, it's like that drop in the ocean. <laughs> Everyone is their own drop, but it makes a big difference overall. So individualised application has to be the way to go for the person in front of you. But being informed from the population health side of things is, you know, really important as well. And indeed, that's one of the crucial things that AIMA provides for integrative GPs and other um, health practitioners is that um, that direction. Um, of safety and and you know measuring outcomes and things like that, how to use complementary medicine. Yes, I think so many patients are really pleased to be able to come and have a talk to a doctor about what they're doing because many people have you know tried to find their own way because they haven't been satisfied or, or assisted effectively through the traditional methods, and so they you know research for themselves. They go to their local health food store or pharmacy and they come in on a, a range of different things. But to actually better talk to somebody who can understand and give them advice and also combine it with medicine as far as tests go and uh, clinical knowledge. I think they feel very, they feel like they're in safe hands, which is, again, very therapeutic for someone who's unwell. Yes, and indeed, I I think part of the crucial issue is that these people are going to be using it, whether you like it or not. (laughs) Um, That's right. You you need to know how to use it safely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you've now yes. developed onto taking on the complex cases. So I'm going to guess that you are the nerd of your group. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about how that started for you and, and indeed involved in your practice that you've got today. What do you work with? Sure. Well, it's actually really interesting. I did a Bachelor of Science before I did medicine. I actually majored in pharmacology, which I think is really funny. But um, <laughs> I, It's interesting, though, because uh, the work that we do... For me, it works on a whole different range of levels. Like we actually look into the minutiae of yeah. you know what's happening in the cell and the biochemistry and pure science, um, which is really where it's all at. Yep. But that's affected by, of course, nutritional status. It's affected by stress and cortisol. It's affected by where our thoughts and feelings are at. And so there's so many different levels that we work at with people that it's it's just really exciting. So yeah, so I think the complexity is really the fact that you know, the body has incredible capacity to heal itself and with basic measures, be they medical and or nutritional, a lot of people can get back onto a path of wellness unless they're really stuck. So they yeah. tend to be the ones that seek us out is that they haven't had success 
with their own self-management or they haven't had success with their medical management. And they come in saying, please help. Mm. So, yeah, it tends to be... And we do also get people that are just well and want to stay well and they're you know, a joy to work with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're motivated and they're, you know, they understand and they're willing to learn and grow and that's, you know, they're a delightful population of people. Uh, and we get the really hard people, hard cases, I should say, not hard people, the hard cases yep. too. Um, so with your experience dealing with the Pfeiffer Institute and the MIND organisation, how have you integrated that into your practice? And indeed, how what sort of results are you getting with these sort of um, behavioural, I'm going to say the word behavioural disorders? Mm-hmm. Uh, Look, I find it fascinating and it's really interesting. I think, you know, it's early days really, I think, with regards to research and and what's happening, although the Pfeiffer Institute's been doing some work for, you know, some decades now, and they have a lot of patient samples. Yep. But in, in my practice, I do, I have to say, with any mental health issues, look at methylation status and how that's working for them, and you know, it's broader than just brain chemistry then. It's also about liver detoxing and hormone balancing and energy production. So with regards to mood, um, particularly around things like pyroluria, mm. uh, simple supplementation can make a profound difference and one of the things I was intrigued by was if we got the biochemistry working better would the person's personality perhaps still keep them in their sort of cycles of thinking Mm. or would that shift somehow and it seems to me like it does I've got you know lots of people who have been to psychologists and done what they can with their cognitive behavior therapy or other approaches but because their chemistry keeps them feeling unwell uh, they, despite a good application, they don't really get results. Whereas if you get the chemistry right, and suddenly all those things they've been trying to stop, change, or be informed about suddenly makes more sense and they can get on with the business of getting well. So it has been interesting, but it doesn't hasn't been perfect, of course. There's lots of people who are still very unwell, but I think it's, it's helpful, if not curative. Mm. And for some people, it can be a major transformation. But, you know, I see no difference there between integrative medicine and psychiatry um, in its purest form. I mean, psychiatry mm. is quite frustrating when you're trying to get results for, say, depression. Mm. You know, mm. your first choice of medication may not, may well not work. Mm, um, right. So it has to, has to, you have to offer different options to try and get the, the chemistry, though I think the problem is measurement. Well, that's, I mean, that's just a scientific approach, isn't it? Mm. It's just, you know, trying and seeing, but, you know, it's the best informed guess, I suppose, yeah. for some people. But one of the things I love about the, the FIFA stuff is that when we do look at methylation, there's a cohort of people that are, in fact, over-methylating and they don't do well with antidepressants, even if they're depressed. Yes, yes. And they're the ones that tend to get terrible side effects as well. So it's lovely to be able to have some confidence saying, you know what, this isn't actually for you. How about we go down this path? In, the medication's not for you. How about we go down this path instead? Or for the other ones, which are the under-methylators, they often do do reasonably well on medication. So if we're not winning and they're in desperate straits, I feel quite confident saying, you know what, this may well make a difference for you. Yeah. So that's them. Yeah. That's helpful as well. And it, what about supplementation in the over versus under methylation? Because there's some different characteristics, isn't there? Yes, there is. There are key nutrients uh, for either group. Um, they all they all need B6. They all need zinc. Uh, but the the under methylators also need things to help lower histamine, mm. calcium, magnesium, and they're not necessarily meant to have much folate. Whereas the over methylators need to have a lot of folate and a lot of vitamin B3. So there are some key differences in that 
as well. It gets more complex when you've got things like the MTHFR mutation going on. Yeah. But, um, yeah, how all that really plays out is, is still a bit of a... I watch this space, I think. Yeah, there's some interesting research by being done um, mainly on migraineurs, um, but also other areas. I shouldn't categorize, I yeah. shouldn't restrict that, but uh, with um, Professor Lynn Griffiths at um, QUT mm-hmm. Queensland. Very interesting research. Yes, yeah, certainly clinically, I've had a lot of people with MTHFR mutations who have migraines and feel so much better mm. when we get that rebalance for them. So with regards to the AMA conference, I mean, I know you're going to be talking about the political terrain and where, you, where you're heading with uh, lobbying and, and uh-huh. dare I say the word, protection of integrative uh-huh. GPs, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. gut health, psychiatry, psychology, even, even there's going to be even an, uh, a, a tool, a basically an evidence-based tool for integrative medicine for choices. That's right. That's going to be very interesting. Uh-huh. Can you give us a teaser on that? Oh, well, that's been um, presented by Dr. Jennifer Hunter, who has been working on creating um, what she calls her IM Decision Toolkit, which are ways to provide sort of simple tools to practitioners so that they can then contribute, as I said, case studies and, and information they have from their own practice into sort of an ever-expanding database, if you like, so that then we can start to say it's not just N equals 1 or N equals 5, We've all put in five or ten patients. Suddenly we've got N equals 500 or mm. N equals 5,000. Mm. And that starts to have some power. So I, the details of what she's presenting, I'm yet to see. So I'm, yep. I'm really interested to, to see what she's got to put forward. But it is absolutely an area that we've been keen to try to develop for you know, some years now. And it's, um, yeah, it's a, certainly a space that's, I think, going to be quite transformative. So it would take out, I, I'm going to guess, that it would take out, on the basis of evidence, it would take out some of the heterogeneity that you find in choices, clinical choices, that practitioners might make to treat a certain condition or condition group. Yeah, it, though, um, to be honest, I can't actually answer the detail of it because I'm not sure, but I, I know that her experience is, is broad when it comes to this and she's very well networked with regards to integrative medicine internationally as well with research bodies. Yeah. So I think I think it's you know finally going to be something that we can all access you know we can have access to and really make a difference with. So yeah, that'll be a really interesting session to go to. Fantastic. So what do integrative medicine GPs have to be most mindful of when embracing the use of complementary medicines? The bottom line is to never forget that we're actually doctors. And we do have an obligation to ensure that we've fully investigated according to our medical knowledge and that we've managed people appropriately. And that doesn't mean we have to use medications, but it means we need to be mindful that we're not missing things because we've gone straight to a natural solution. So it's, it's that balance. I think the other thing is that allowing time for the consultations is vital because in essence we're wearing two hats. We have to do the medical side, we have to do the... Um, integrative medical side, so it it takes time, it takes time to take a proper history, it takes time to kind of talk about different options for treatment. We could go down this path, we could go down this path, we could have this blend happening. And informed consent, when we're working sort of outside the realms of what we normally do in medicine, we have to make sure that we have um, documented that we've informed our patients that this is not the standard practice, but this is the reason why we do it this way. Are you happy and prepared to go down this path? So... Yes, to me, it's all got to do with the safety of the patient. Of course, yeah. that's right. End of the day, do no harm. Do you no, know? 
or as little harm as you can do with the therapies available. I think it's a little bit hard exactly. with chemotherapy, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, Kylie. Yeah, yeah. Kylie, just lastly, um, a call to action. What do you think integrative medicine practitioners, your colleagues, are going to get most out of attending the 2015 AMA? conference? The feedback we get back every year is actually just that wonderful sense of collegiality, being able to be with other people who get us. <laughs> people are often working in quite isolated situations and to be in a room full of people who actually sing from the same hymn book is, uh, is just a really warming experience. So I think that's always the number one thing that people say is it's just great to be with other practitioners to be able to talk to them. Yeah. So that's you know, we, we love to be able to offer that. And, you know, we, we sort of say our conference has the heart of medicine within it as well. So it's not pure intellect. It's really about that um, heart of the medicine with working with our patients, but also with each other. So I think that's always the primary thing. But beyond that, it's a real choice, I think, with regards to whether people want to come and learn about the new and exciting scientific developments that are happening or whether they want to have pure clinical application or whether they are interested more in the landscape, as we've said. And uh, I was speaking to somebody just yesterday about it, and they said, but will, will I know what to do when I come away? Will I learn about how to use this particular nutrient or that particular nutrient? And I said, you know, we have to take our own personal responsibility to get what we want from a conference. If you don't feel you have had that answered, put your hand up in the question time. Mm. Uh, go and speak to them afterwards. Speak to the colleagues in the room. So there's a wealth of information available. It's up to us to pull from that what we most need for ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I'm going to put another plug in for, uh, to me, it's a, a, a base vital ingredient for any integrative medicine practitioner, and that's to have on hand herbs and natural supplements at Evan, an, an evidence-based guide by Leslie Braun and, and Mark Cohen. Yes, that's right. We've got we've got some brilliant. Brilliant Aussies, haven't we? They've yeah. done amazing work. Absolutely. And, you know, and even yeah. for even for sceptical practitioners or, or indeed those people that don't want to venture in but want to know that what the patient might be taking is safe or unsafe or is it going to interact, um, to well, have that on right. hand. It was actually um, you know voted as one of the four best um, uh, places to find unbiased information for ge- um, general mm. GPs. And that was by Fantastic. Natural Prescribing, uh, forgive me, National Prescribing Service. So yeah, brilliant. It's great stuff. Yeah, that's right. And again, I guess that's, you know, for doctors that don't do integrative medicine, that's always the thing they want to know is, you know, what's safe, what's not safe. Mm. And, uh, you know, if they've got good tools at their fingertips, hopefully they're less likely to say, just stop it all, mm. or it's just expensive urine, which yeah. is what you hear so often. <laughs> it's more like, actually, I can see that, that you know, that, that's fine. I can still prescribe what I need to, and you can still take that. That's fine. Yeah. So, I, I love yeah. the axiom, it, it, it can't work, and it's also dangerous. Hang on. I know. How can you have it both ways? But they like to try. So. <laughs> <laughs> only only um, knowledge and attending the AMA conferences will enlighten them. So Exactly. So all are welcome. Dr. Kylie Doddsworth, I could speak to you for hours and indeed I would love to pick your brains again because there's some things that you really passionately take on um, that are of particular interest to me, like the thyroid and adrenal dysfunction, the hormonal imbalances. I'd love to have you on the show um, at at a later stage and investigate that with you. Is that cool? Yeah, I'd love to. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today and for taking us through Um, what the AIMA conference will help people with, but also your particular interest and speciality with integrative medicine. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. 
This is FX Radio. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Mm-hmm.